this is the Business's Mission podcast. Business's Mission. I'm Gaya Boyd, your host. I came across the very uncomfortable awareness that all of my ideas, my basic understanding of Christianity, of how it operates, of my role in it, were wrong. In this podcast series, we want to discover kingdom keys for business. I'll do that together with Bill Job. Bill is an experienced BAM practitioner. By the way, BAM is short for business as mission. Bill is from the US and lived 30 years in China, where he had handicraft factories. He saw God move tangibly in the workspace. We met at our BAM Congress in the Netherlands. Bill was one of the main speakers and he turned out to be so contagious. His stories made me curious and I wondered, does that only happen far away or can God move as tangibly here, within and through businesses in the Netherlands? or at your business in Africa, America, or Asia. In this podcast series, I'll interview Bill. At other times, he will be my co-host, as we invited guests who are eager to see God move within their own businesses. So listen, as we discuss ideas, experiences, and challenges. They might be yours as well. If this podcast makes you curious and you want to dig deeper, Go to bearmoves.com. There you find a hybrid training and coaching environment, which we are developing. Today, in our search for Kingdom Keys for Business, Bill will be my co-host. We talk with Timon van Dijk, here at his business location in Genemuiden, the Netherlands. Timon leads Fischer Caravel, a global market leader in car mats. When he took over the leadership of this company, he straight away decided to focus on the growth of the people. This company had 2,000 employees and their factories and locations in Poland, Mexico and China. Timon, we are looking forward to learn from you. Welcome and welcome, Bill. Thank you, Gay. It's great to be here. Timon, we're looking forward to learning lots today. Timon, tell us a little bit more about yourself yeah. before we start. Thank you for being here with, uh, with me and um, giving me the opportunity to share some of my thoughts. Yes, I'm Timur van Dijk. I've been growing up in Genemuiden. They call it uh, the carpet city of Europe. And uh, they make a lot of carpet in this, uh, in this city. I'm living today in, uh, in Swartzluis with my family, my wife, Erika, and three children. You're still pretty young in age. One is 11, 9, and 6. So it's a, it's a busy time, but it's uh, it's great to, to be with them. Already from a very young age, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I dreamed to be an entrepreneur. And, you know, I have been a believer for, um, yeah, I believe all my life. I've um, believed in the Lord and, um, and I believe that the Lord has a plan in your life and um, you have to, uh, to follow that. And I did that. I tried to do that and live with him, learn from him. And I've tried to bring that... Um, to my daily context. It can be to my family, to the business. I'm a soccer coach into my team, into the society I live in, uh, the village I, I'm living in. So I try to bring this into practice in all the different areas of my uh, my life. Well, you will be speaking at our BAM Congress this year, November 2023 in the Netherlands. Correct. Um, you know, we, we already met and I heard you uh, share about building a team. Where did you get your inspiration from? It started already uh, as, a, as a soccer player. 
I've seen that if you do the real teamwork, you can um, achieve great achievements as a team. People said to me that I had the ability to see talents. And I knew that, that I see, saw talents in other people pretty soon, some, sometimes earlier than they were be able to see their own talent. And to create a kind of stability, rest, overview into the team. And, and um, so I've been encouraged by coaches uh, when I was young. So did, did you learn something from the whole professional yeah. soccer world? Yes, I did. I've been touched by, by one of the coaches who, who was able to create a remarkable achievement with a team in Genemuiden. And I had the opportunity to travel with him two times a week because I studied at the time in Groningen and I was still playing soccer in Genemuiden. And I, I felt it like I do receive here a masterclass team coaching because I'm with the coach in the car and I did that for, for a while. And seen the way he coached through the year. So can you give like one example? Let's um, say, hey, that really... Yeah, I, I've seen the way he spoke to me has absolutely opened my eyes in relation to my talents. So he was describing the talent he saw in me mm -hmm. and he gave me a lot of trust and he told me that I needed to trust on the talent. Mm -hmm. So don't look to the circumstances, but trust your talent because you are a guy with certain talents. And that was one thing. And the other thing is he had always a kind of focus on you as a person. So if I had an injury, he could give me a call during the week and ask me, how are you doing and how is going? And I, I really would like you to be back and be part of the team. And he gave attention. Mm -hmm. So he yeah. was absolutely really interested. And the third thing, he was on the pitch demanding a lot. So he was putting the bar during the trainings very high. So from one side, he was very social, had the ability to, to build up self-esteem and show your own talent to yourself. And on the other side was putting the bar high, asking to give a lot. And that combination yeah, fueled myself, but also the team. Bill, you built up, you know, teams uh, during your time in China. Uh, can you comment what brings this to your mind? I'm having some interesting thoughts based on the idea of seeing talents in people. I'm not sure that that's what I was doing or what I was aware of, but I'm thinking of a young lady with a fifth grade education, but she was talented. And I could see that she believed in the company's goal, what we wanted to do and why we wanted to do it. And she stepped in to manage a, a division for which we had been unable to actually hire a professional production manager, about 130 people over one of our lines. And she said, boss, let me step in as the supervisor and just get this thing going so that we can you know, get some experience under our belt. And she ran it for a number of years. At the end of the production season, when it ended with the 08 downturn, the product was related to new housing starts in the U.S. And literally the pipeline just filled up and and the line, that business went away. But uh, we asked the customer how we had performed, and he said he had owned companies in five countries, I think, manufacturing that, and as far as he could tell, we were the best in the world. And it was run by a girl that often wouldn't make it through a normal interview process because she never got to go to junior high school. But she was phenomenal. She had that talent, and when, by recognizing it and giving her the opportunity, empowering her, she really flourished for us, and the company flourished. So seeing talent 
you know, because the, we like to give the listeners some clues. How do you build a good team? How do you build a life-giving culture? I myself sometimes call it. Can you give us some more? Because you have been really focusing on yes. this theme. Yeah, so that was a kind of a start. And from that moment, I, I started to read books. And I, I stopped pretty quick as a soccer player myself because I saw I, I would not become a professional soccer player. So and I wanted to become an entrepreneur. So I stopped as a soccer player, but I, I directly became a coach because I would like to train my leadership skills. So I, I decided to change from being a soccer player to uh, becoming a coach. So I had to educate myself. Uh, I started to read and I started to become a chairman of a youth group, uh, so to exercise myself in that time. What happened, I, I at the end came into the company of my family-in-law. In the same period in our church, I became an elder. And during that period, there was a lady in Zwaslois and she asked me, she was in the age of 58, something like that, to come to her home together with some other people and to start prayer sessions. And I did that Friday morning before I went to the company, 7.30, we started to pray. And during one of these prayer sessions, she had a book on the table and the book was called Natural Church Developments. And I started to read into that book a little bit and I asked her, can, can I take this book for a while? That book did help me a lot because I, I went through MBA, so university. I read, I think, most of the popular business books. I summarized a lot of them myself to understand the theories. Uh, so I knew a lot about team development, but what this philosophy was learning me was principle God has put it into nature, into ecosystems. So can you give some examples? Yeah, so so every ecosystem, you know, if you if you look to a tree, a tree never grows into heaven. A tree gives seeds and multiplicates itself. That's the first principle. It's a principle of multiplication. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a top trainer, you are a top trainer if your player is capable to become a trainer mm -hmm. after the season. Because he understands exactly what you're doing. You have multiplicated your knowledge into him or her. So that's the principle of multiplication. Another principle was symbiosis, diversity. A tree needs diversity. It needs different sort of ground. It needs insects. It needs sun, water, wind, uh, birds, uh, animals. So this diversity is needed to make the tree strong. So in a team, accept diversity. In an organization, accept diversity. It makes the ecosystem stronger. And the third element was energy transformation. So when the sun came up in spring, you see that the nature opens itself. I see it in my garden. Yeah, <laughs> strongly. It's, it's beautiful what happens in, in four, five, six weeks. Mm -hmm. It's a complete transformation. And that's what the sun is for nature, is love for people. But a little bit of sunlight with photosynthesis on a leaf gives a lot of energy to the tree. So, and if the sun leaves for a while, the tree can still survive because it still has this energy collected. Mm -hmm. So if you give love to people, and you could do that by giving appreciation, by giving trust, or by giving space, giving attention. People will get energy. So that's energy transformation. So there were six principles. And these principles are very active in a normal ecosystem. 
And these principles were translated to quality characteristics. So in every organization, you have leadership. But when does leadership activate these six principles? In every organization, you have structure. But when does structure activate or support the development of these principles? In every organization, you have to execute tasks. But when is task fulfillment done in a way that it activates these principles? Now, in every organization, you, you had eight quality characteristics. That's what the researcher found. And he has done a, an international research with more than 5 million people involved, specifically in churches. And his basic question was, if these churches will implement these growth mechanisms, will the church then also, like nature, grow by itself? Mm-hmm. And what you're doing if you bring these principles into this church or into an organization, you increase the love coefficient. So, and then you get enormous growth. It's kind of interesting, you know, to have here a business and developing growth team life from yeah. a theologian or theologian, yes. you know, from ideas of how to build yeah. churches. You you have also, you are implementing yeah. these things. How how does it work? So I've, I've done 10 years research to this now and I practiced with it in, in not only in the business, in the company, but also in the soccer teams and also in the village and in the society I live. So I, 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 I try to implement this on a lot of places and I am totally surprised by the effects. Can you share? Yeah, you see a lot of growth. You see growth of people. You see that your teams get stronger. The energy is growing. Attention for each other is growing. But every person has also a handicap or has something he's not good at. There is space for mistakes. There is space for having a handicap. So in this ecosystem, you fuel that with, I can not in the business always talk about love, but with trust with appreciation, with the ability to make mistakes. And then yeah, you when, once you implement all these quality characteristics, you get growth by itself. And I've been implementing this for the last, say, 10 years. And I'm so much surprised about how our factories are operating, about our sales offices internationally are operating. Um, you see love. Appreciation, you see... Connection. Connection. Trust. Trust. Well, you said, um, you know, in a business setting, you can't always talk about love. You know that I was surprised to hear that uh, some things are different in China. Here in China, there was in the area where you, Bill, lived, uh, actually uh, a regional... It was a pretty big region. They gave a prize to the company with the most love. You you can tell it better, Bill. It it was an unusual situation. I think there's maybe four million people in the city at that time, and the government was trying to change the perception of factory owners or bosses being unkind and pretty harsh. Slave driver was not an uncommon term that was used for them. And so they came up with this award. Uh, my recollection is it was uh, in Chinese, for the boss who loves his workers the most. And so they're really trying to just elevate the concept that you could be a boss and love your workers. And they made it uh, an award. And so hmm. 
companies, HR managers would go nominate the boss for this. And um, we got that award, I think, for the first seven years in a row. And uh, then they said they have to give it to somebody else, and then they gave it to us the next year again. But there was no competition for that award, I can tell <laughs> you. Um, and so yeah. I was surprised at what they perceived as love. Um, one time I heard one of our employees telling a new worker that she was lucky to get a job for us because I was the best boss in China to work for. And so I got my friend aside later on, and I just said, Mei Jen, I'm pretty sure that's not true, but I'm curious why you said that. And then she simply said, well, do you remember a couple of years ago you asked how my son was doing who had been sick? And I said, yeah, that's it. <laughs> she goes, no other boss in China would care about my son. Oh, yeah. And so I'm just thinking business people are in this really target-rich environment where if they extend care, love, and really for us who know the Lord, we're just responding to the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. You know, say this to that person, look at them, touch you know their shoulder. That they're very very small gestures often, but they are guided by the Lord in many cases, and they go very deeply into the heart of the other person. Mm. Well, I know a little bit more. You know, I've talked a little bit more with with Bill. Part of the scene is that a lot of people from the street were working at this company, oh, yeah. and prayer is a big thing for you, praying regularly for the people. Oh, so yeah. having them. Yeah. Them, you know, on the laptop, have yes. the faces come pass yeah. by. So um, it might be a little bit more <laughs> intentional than just. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. But um, coming back to building um, strong teams, you really, I'm excited about you shared just before we started some of the, there's a whole strategy or thinking yeah. through. And yeah. Um, yeah, so, us, so, so what, what we are basically doing, you know, if you, if you, like if the sun comes up, nature opens itself and the principles are activated and nature will grow by itself. No one of us has the ability to grow nature. It grows by itself. So once you have built an ecosystem in which the sun is shining, kind of, and you have implemented these principles, you know, you get, for example, collective intelligence. So one plus one is three because... One plus one together, two persons together, no more as each person individual. So I've seen that in the plant, for example, in Poland. Uh, we gave trust to the plant, to the people, to the management. Because in the past we were, say, leading that plant from the Netherlands. We had production planning, customer service was still here. We brought that to the plant because this, that gave a more effective structure. And then we gave a lot of trust to the people. And at the beginning... They came out of communism eh, years before, and they were used to have an authoritarian leader who would tell them what to do. And then we said, okay, we're not going to tell you what to do. You are free to develop this plant yourself. And the first two years, it was quite difficult for them to take that position and to feel the trust. But due to a very consistent behavior of our side and helping them, supporting them, they started to share more and more, to take responsibility, to take actions, to make mistakes. And if they made mistakes, we gave support to collaborate. And we saw that the collective intelligence in the plant was growing and growing and growing. Years later, they had a very mature plant. We were, I think, the most competitive cut and sew plant of Europe uh, in floor mats. And we asked them to multiplicate that plant to Mexico because they had the skill, they had the knowledge, and they built Mexico. 
because that's a principle of multiplication. So the effect of love and giving space to this principle is that you get collective intelligence, that you get synergy. One plus one is three. That you get sharing is multiplication because by sharing your knowledge, you have multiplied your knowledge into the others. And if our best engineer, process engineer in the plant is starting to share his knowledge with somebody else for free, then he has multiplied his knowledge in two persons. So what you get in a culture of trust is that they are going to share. And if they share, they multiplicate. But before they share, they need to feel trust. And trust is an act of love. So it's, you provide space to, you give space to love. It's transformed into trust. And trust transforms the factory into kind of collective energy, collective intelligence, synergy, etc. But then there are difficult people. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. So, so there are always difficult people, but you know, light is stronger than darkness. So I've seen that if you stay consistent in that, people transform. And some people who cannot work in this environment, I've seen situations that people left by themselves. I do not like that, but that has happened. So and maybe sometimes you need to give space if somebody doesn't want to change. You have to make a decision. Could be that so sometimes it's part of a decision you take. But I have not had lots of these conversations. I have seen that if you increase the love coefficient, the growth of the people will go by itself. Mm-hmm. And that's incredibly. So light is stronger than darkness. darkness. I have a, a question on behalf of our audience. You've been able to see this work in the Netherlands. Poland, Mexico, and China. So it feels like it's a global principle or universal principle. Is that what you have seen? Yeah, yeah. Because all humans are humans. And a human grows when he feels love. You know, there has, done, there has been a scientific research when they stop a baby in a dark room and they feed the baby but does, do not give the baby attention. The baby will die by itself. Although he does get food. So love is so strong. And I have seen, you know, you have to go through behaviors. uh, But again, love is so strong. It works in China, it works in Mexico, in North America, in Europe. That's fascinating. So there's no excuses for any of our listeners to not be able to apply this where they are. For sure not, no. (laughs) It's from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And the Lord created the humans. One of the things that I hear is also a lot of equality and a lot of cooperation. Yep. I mean, we are here in a Dutch culture, Timon. Yep. <laughs> we mm-hmm. we are a small country. We needed to cooperate, you know, to oh, not yeah. drown. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we needed to build these dikes. We and had to. Yeah. We yeah. have a history. Yeah. What about cultures like the States, Germany? They they are a bit different. How how do you see that? Yeah, I I, re, I recall an example. You know, I, we we were planning to to start a joint venture with uh, our biggest competitor in North America, and we were planning to start our factory in Mexico together. But during this process, we found out that their values were not in line with our values. So although the business plan was absolutely great, we have said at the end, sorry, we are not going for the joint venture. We had done the site location together, but they had a kind of high-low relationship. They were the boss, 
and the Mexicans were the people who had to execute. And there was a little bit less, in my opinion, love into this culture. So we started the company at the same moment. Five years later, we were both doing, say, 50,000 sets a week. They needed 430 people to do that. We needed 220 people to do the same. And it's a nice example. I've seen that also in the North American Mexican context. Yeah, it works very well. And we have an office in Detroit. Because Mexico is kind of, you know, uh, the masculine world. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> is So they are not really so much used to maybe working together in this no. way. No. But they learned that it was really... I think we implemented leadership yeah, because we are searching leaders. We are developing leaders who are multipliers, who take care of people, who want other people to grow. So the leaders in that place had this focus. And and because of that, yeah, the kind of love was built into the company, mm-hmm. attention. Of course, we were also multiplicating on the same time from Poland we, because we have a free area where all people can share knowledge and and can go to Mexico and develop. So that's again an act of love because you give freedom to people who want to support us in building up Mexico. Building effective structures, again, is also an act of love because Mm -hmm. you give space to the work environment of the people. The people can bring in their gifts, their passion, and and get the freedom to work together and, and build something good. All these things together... Yeah, has made the company very effective. And I've seen in our market context that through the years, we get more and more competitive. We get a distance from our competition. And, um, you know, we had a small talk before we started the podcast. Um, your aim, I, you said it really well, about uh, building an ecosystem, what is yeah. really strong yeah. built, so that the, the companies in itself will have a lot of this life where people can grow. Um, Yeah, so we have a very big, clear big goal. So our goal is uh, we can grow still significantly and everybody knows that, so in floor mats. Um, So we don't talk so much about growth and strategy uh, with each other. We talk about how can I help you to grow? Um, And if, if, if the people grow, the company will grow by itself. So it's not a purpose on itself. We want the people to flourish and we want the people to grow. And due to the trainings and principles and in, 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 the, in the empowering leadership philosophy, they become useful volunteers in their society. Uh, so in their families. So do you also actively communicate that, how to be involved in their neighborhoods? I mean, that's one of the ideas behind business's mission, that the business can be such a tool for good in society. Mainly in all of the one-on-one conversation I have, very often this this gets a place uh, because I want people to grow and to support society, to support their own family. And now we are starting to train another 60 people and there it's absolutely part of the philosophy. So we want to have a positive impact. So there where we have facilities, companies, we want to grow the people and help the people to have an impact into their own context. So yeah, we are actively trying to activate people. Mm -hmm. You know, our listeners 
will probably be curious. We want to know more about this. Can you repeat one of the books uh, yeah, again? So, so, or yeah. you you are building a kind of a masterclass within the own yeah. business. Are there things where people can find more? The organization Natural Church Developments mm-hmm. is from Christian Swartz, NCD. If you go to the web, I think it's ncd.org. There you can find most of the materials on empowering growth and growth principles. It's in in a language for the church. I translated that to language for business. Uh, But the principles are exactly the same. And then you have in England, it's a philosopher, it's it's Michael Sluter. Mm -hmm. He's from the Global Relationship Institute. He developed a philosophy on connecting relationships. Uh, His main question was, in the Bible, God says, love myself and love your neighbor as yourself. And his main question was, in the law, to love my neighbor as yourself, how can we translate that to society? How can we translate that to, say, a, a local government and the people in the village or people in the prisons and the God of a prison? So how can we build this principle into all these relationships or between a teacher and a student or between a manager and an employee? And he did 30-year research to that and yeah, developed the philosophy of a connecting relationship, how you're able to build that. And that philosophy is also absolutely great. Mm-hmm. There are five basic principles. And if you implement that, in your relationship, you build a connecting relationship and we are teaching our people to build connecting relationships amongst each other. Well, we are coming to the end of our podcast. Bill, do you have a wise word to close this time off? I would definitely encourage all of our listeners to look at the resources that were just mentioned by Timon. I think what he's onto here is very profound. And uh, I'd look forward someday to maybe being groups of business leaders that are studying together and encouraging each other and sharing stories of implementation and successes, because it feels like this is one of the ways God is bringing his principles into daily life in the commercial context. Very exciting. I'm also very encouraged uh, to have a fellow Dutchman uh, (laughs) there are Actively. much more of these. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, I studied with uh, Bucky Credit University and uh, one of the Bucky brothers, uh, he wrote Joy at Work. He had a very right. large international company in electricity and he did also very much that uh, of bringing the, the ownership more down to where the people are and hmm. uh, was very successful Beautiful. at it. Yep. So, yeah, joy, you know, bringing joy at work because then people have ownership when they can make some decisions and, and can help excited. steer yep. their, their own life. Yep. So thank you for this time. And, thank you. Um, well, there's more to learn, but we close for now. Well, thank you, uh, Bill. Thank you, Timon, for thank this time together. Thank you very much. This was another episode of Kingdom Keys for Business, Life and Work. As mentioned, we developed a course for you in which Bill shares more insights how he learned to partner with God. He has a way of making spiritual insights usable and practical, of making the extraordinary, the spiritual, tangible and applicable in daily life, at work, in business. 
he does so in a joy-filled, engaging way, down to earth, to the point. So take a look at bearmoves.com. I very much enjoyed developing the material with him, and I predict you will enjoy taking this course and get some really good insights. Well, don't forget to follow us in your favorite podcast app. Don't miss the next one. We have more interesting material in store for you.